0: All right, you are tuned into to 91.3 WVKR, broadcasting live from Poughkeepsie. It is Wednesday, which means it's always time for Local Motion every Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to Rita Ryan Local Motion Facebook page, as well as YouTube and wherever you get your streaming platforms from. And that way you can keep up with all the great interviews that we've got going on here. And... Today holds no exception. Let me get today's guest, Mr. James Maddock, on the line. James? Hello. Hello. Welcome to Local Motion. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure. Let me do a little brief introduction, if I may. Relics Magazine's Magazine puts it this way. James Maddock possesses the kind of lived-in craggy voice that would sound authoritative if he were singing the sports pages. Fortunately, he doesn't need to do that because his compositional skills are a match for his delivery. NPR says, NPR says his timeless songwriting style, which seems to draw from great songwriters of every era, of every era conveys quiet confidence and lovely intimacy. Singer-songwriter James Maddock has just released a new album titled Little Bird in the Neighborhood. And with that, a warm welcome to Local Motion, Mr. James Maddock. So,
1: Hi, thank you. Yeah,
0: of course, of course. I always um like to start and go back and delve back a little bit to see how music first came into your life. So I start out by saying, this is your life, James Maddock. So if we could go back in time a little bit, um, you are from the UK correct yeah okay and music came did you come from a musical family
1: yes mm-hmm. i do my 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 grand my granddad was like a ukulele uh, virtuoso really in the in the 40s and 50s and uh, he used to do it like a, uh, he had a job being a George Formby impersonator George Formby was a english kind of folk uh, funny Uh, music hall kind of super popular in the 40s and uh, my granddad was like an impersonator of uh, of him and used to go around the working men's clubs in Leicester doing his repertoire and then my dad was always uh, there was always guitars and pianos and trombones and trumpets and uh, banjos and things around the house and my dad played uh, uh, in a a uh, trad jazz band, trombone and uh, guitar and piano. So I grew up, mainly, mainly my dad, you know, he played all kinds of instruments. and still does in there. So there was always musical instruments lying around. And then I went to a really great school, which encouraged um, music. And, uh, you know, I just kind of fell into it like that.
0: And what did you pick up? What was your first instrument? Was it guitar? Uh, trumpet.
1: Trumpet. Was, trumpet was the first thing I played uh, you know, when I was a kid, and I, I used to play that, and uh, my dad would make me go out in the streets at Christmas, and we'd play carols, oh. me and my brother and my dad.
0: Oh, <laughs> that sounds like Charles Dickens novels or something. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, uh, you know.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. You know, I think everybody I talk to, as far as on a weekly basis, people that, like you, get their start with music with Uh, Progressive schools that are so welcoming, music—it makes a huge difference, doesn't it?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it's about teachers as well. Yeah, you know, I teach—I had teachers that were uh, not necessarily um, teaching music, but they were teaching other subjects, but they played music as well. They were kind of that generation of teachers that grew up in the sixties. So a lot of my teachers were really into music, and uh, I would go around their house, and they'd play, we'd play in bands together. And, uh, you know, it was a whole community thing, really, of, of just trying to enc- encourage kids to play music. And there was guitars lying around at school, and obviously I, I kind of was there when I should have been in the classroom. But that, <laughs> that was just my, you know, I was just a bit obsessed as a kid playing guitar and singing. When did you start playing guitar? Well I used to play the ukulele like my granddad in the uh, when I was younger and then I really started to seriously play the, the guitar when I was probably about 14 or 15 but I could already play the ukulele so I was I was okay with strings and mm-hmm. strumming and that so it wasn't a big jump for me I realized that, that I could actually almost play the guitar anyway because I could play the ukulele so it wasn't it was just quite natural just to move from the ukulele to the guitar and I I realized wow I can actually play this thing already and even though even though I've never played it Mm -hmm. so I I reckon I was about 14 or 15 when I really started to practice and play and uh, it obsessed me yeah Uh, uh,
0: did you start on the electric or acoustic guitar
1: no I always the acoustic Mm -hmm. but I, I play electric too but you know, you, you, when you practice, you pra- I practice at home on the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, what were you listening to at that age? Being from the UK, I'm just guessing maybe the Beatles. And
1: um, we grew up listening to the Beatles and the Stones. Definitely, uh, you, know, they, you know, those records were in the house. My dad had a lot of uh, uh, Louis Armstrong and jazz and that, that that kind of music. And he would come home. Uh, he was early into music and he'd go into this music shop in Leicester and he would come home every week with a new record recommended to him by, um, the guy who worked in the shop. And he'd just turn up one night with like a, a JJ Cale album or a Kate Nana McGarrigal album or a John Martin album. And so whatever he would bring home, uh, I would listen to. And, uh, luckily the guy that was advising him really knew music and, um, through that guy really my dad brought on some super cool albums and then i started to uh play uh, then i started to take guitar lessons and my guitar teacher would hit me to uh, uh you know neil young and uh mm-hmm. and uh, uh bob dylan and you know these so these kind of artists are kind of american singer songwriter types i love the eagles as well as a kid big big i love desperado that album you know that was yeah. a big influence for me yeah um and and acoustic, I, the way acoustic music. Can, I I can heard an in interview that,
0: that you did where you admitted, and rightfully so, that you liked Neil Sedaka.
1: I did love Neil Sedaka as a as a kid. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, just I just got mad into him, and I list. I bought all his albums, and actually, that was my first ever concert in Leicester. Uh, my mum and dad took me to see Neil Sedaka, and uh, you know, he's a, what. He's one of the great singer songwriters of the whole time. Absolutely,
0: absolutely hundred percent. I mean and being in the UK, I mean Elton John also, you know, what a
1: Loved Elton John. My first album I ever bought was Don't Shoot Me, I'm only the piano player. Oh,
0: there you go. There you
1: go. And- and then I discovered Tumbleweed Connection, which is obviously, I think, his masterpiece. And I completely uh, fell in love with that album. And uh, that's still, to what to this day, one of my favorite albums of all time.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. Now, you are such a gifted songwriter, Mr. Maddock. It seems oh, like, it, it, I don't know how easy it comes to you, but it just seems like one album <laughs> comes out and it's... Better than the next, better than the next, and and how was the songwriting process? And when did that start for you?
1: Well, I started writing really early. You know, when I was like fourteen or fifteen, I had a band, and we would do covers, and we would go and play the clubs and things around Leicester. And what was uh, I the name? Song- I, I want to know
0: the name of that band, please.
1: Well, <laughs> it, we we would we had every, every different weekend. It was a different name because <laughs> the guy that, the, the guy that booked us. Was um, famous Leicester promoter promote a guy called everybody called him Bone, and you would call him up on a Friday night, and he would um I would say hey, Bone, have you got any gigs for us? And he'd go, he he you could see him rifling through his you could hear him rifling through his um roller decks notes or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he'd go he go yeah you're playing him um, at the Bronston Working Men's Club, um and you are called uh, heavens. You kind of made something up on the spot, you know, Heaven's Gate, or you'd be called uh, the Melodies, or just any old thing. You know, we didn't really have a name, mm-hmm. and so we would, we would be whatever name he kind of gave us that night. So that was the one of the bands I used to play. <laughs> love it, I love it. <laughs> Very strange. I love. So I used it. to write for that band, and we used to do our own. We used to do some of our own songs. You know, so I just, I just, I just started writing when I was really, you know, probably about sixteen. Uh huh. You know.
0: Uh huh. Is it something that comes easy to you, or do you like carve out time every day, or how? I, I always get interested in the process of. Oh well,
1: for me, I I, I wrote a lot when I was you know in my t- I had a bunch of record deals and things in my twenties, but I honestly don't think I got the hang of the songwriting till I was in my early thirties. Mm-hmm. So everything everything before then, uh, which i kind of look back on as like I'm a slow learner. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot. It took me well into my thirties, to my early thirties, before I actually think I kind of turned a corner and and made and wrote songs that I could actually stand behind. Previous mm-hmm. to that, I look look back on the songs that I wrote before then as 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 being kind of amateur and trying out and not very good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I had to go through that that process. Yeah. i just I just sit around and, uh, and I play the guitar and i and I sing and I, I try and come up with melodies um you know subconsciously I, and and just see if anything sticks mm-hmm. uh, and I think the songwriting for me is it, it's a question of elimination and, and just and process. You just keep going until you find something you like, and whatever that might be, you know that might come in five minutes and it might come in five hours and it's a question of self-editing you have to fit, you have to decide what it is that you're doing that you like versus what you don't like
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um that that's how i do it you know i just spend hours just playing the guitar and trying to sing and hopefully a phrase will come to me a melodic phrase or even a lyric phrase or hopefully sometimes a, a, at the same time a title uh, a, a, a vibe that i'm going for i'm maybe i'm trying to write a, a reggae song or a Breezy pop song or, or I'm trying to write a cre- You know Some kind of a Credence type song Or a, a Folky uh, You know Like Under Milky Wood Type song So I look <laughs> for A, a, a feeling mm-hmm. And then I try to Expand on that And I try to uh, I plow that furrow Until I come up with Something that I'm happy with And sometimes it, Like I'm in the mi- I'm in the middle Of writing right now I've got like another Five or six songs Which I've written Over the last week Which is Week? Uh, over the last week? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been real productive this week, you know, I'm real productive. So I'm I'm kind of on a bit of a roll now. So I'm just going at it. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. Now what is that yeah. going to be another CD? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to try and make the 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 uh the neighborhood album is quite dark and mm-hmm. quite covid, you know, it's not it's it's quite a dark album in some regards. Uh, and I'm going to go the other way on this this next record. I'm going to make it more uh, rocky and band and they're uh, upbeat and um happy <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: well, it's good you've got switch it up a little bit right now, your yeah. first album came out in nineteen eighty two was it tied weight am i correct
1: um yeah i did a I did a kind of self made album when I was like eighteen i went I got some money I went to the studio with my friends and made a record uh, It was only for you know I think we only printed up maybe a thousand of them and gave them. Sold them to friends. I don't know where they are now. You know, right. it's absolutely rubbish. I mean, I, I would never, I would never want anybody to hear it. <laughs> it <would be> terrible.
0: <laughs> but hey, you got to start somewhere, you know. And I mean, at least you yeah. uh, had the wherewithal to get into a studio and do this. And then you also yeah. had another band. I love this name, Fire. Next time.
1: Yeah, I had a band on Polydor. We had a band on Stiff Records. I think we were the last band ever on Stiff. The album, the, direct, the record label, Stiff records the kind of punk album uh, punk label and that it got a bit messy we made a, an album on on stiff and then they kind of then we got signed by polydor mm-hmm. but stiff wouldn't wouldn't let us go i had to come up with some money and buy us out of that um contract we did an album on polydor and then that was called uh north to south and that that never came out either you know i think that maybe it did a little bit but we got dropped you know, as soon as that record came out, the record company decided they didn't want to work with us anymore. So we got dropped by them. So yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride of being signed and being dropped and then, you know, being signed, being dropped. You know, all this the stuff that we would go through as a, as an artist in the 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tell me when you came to the United States. When What year was that?
1: About t- about twenty years ago, mm-hmm. you know, about t- the year two thousand, just after, uh, uh, 2000 and two thousand and two thousand twenty-one, something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a record deal on Columbia Records. You know, we signed a re- a, a, a great record deal with, uh, uh, you know, the great Columbia Records, which was a, a beautiful moment for me in doing that. And then we put out the Wood album, yeah. um, which we toured on, and we we had a bit of success you know in triple a but you know we didn't have a massive hit so we got dropped by them and then i was living in new york at that time no money and didn't know anybody and uh, just kind of kind of I'd come over here but it was it was a, a very uh, difficult time you know i didn't have any money didn't know anybody and uh, just kind of made it happen you know you found your way you found your way
0: but you did have a um with with wood didn't you have like a a hit uh stay you on dawson's
1: creek wasn't that on the tv show
2: yeah it was yeah it,
1: it was on the album and uh you know, we had a bit of success with that. I think it got in the top 10 in AAA charts. But you need to cross over into the pop charts, right. which we never did. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and Columbia Records, is an, is, it's, a, it's an enterprise setup to sell millions and millions of records. It's not, it's not designed to sell. I don't even know how many albums we sold, but, you know, definitely... Mm-hmm. You know, in the thousands rather than the hundreds of thousands, maybe 10, 20,000 records. I really don't know. Uh, But, you know, they're designed to sell millions of records. And if you don't sell millions of records, you know, they just drop you and they move on. At least this was the model back then. You know, they move on to the John Mayers of this world that that sell millions of records. And you're, you know, you're yesterday's news. That's how it goes.
0: Right, right. Well, you've since made your way in New York and um, now know everyone or most everyone and um you've got a you know a great clique of of friends that you have you also came up with an amazing album in 2009 sunrise on avenue c and that won Mm. the new york (laughs) music award for best americana album so that
1: that wasn't yeah
0: yeah. yeah, that that's a pretty nice um um you know thing to wake up to and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no,
1: that was great. You know, it's a good record. though. I, I, that was the kind of the, like, the second record. That should have been the wood, the next wood album, really. Um, but I hadn't written those songs at that time. So, and you know, Columbia, they don't give you much time if you you get a year or two to write your next album. And I did write another album, but it just was no good at all. So uh, it took me a while to get my, la- my next batch of songs together, mm-hmm. uh, which was around about 2008, 2009, I wrote those songs. And, and then after that, I just kept going. You know, it's been since like 2010, I've just been extremely productive. I wish I'd done this, you know, in my 20s and 30s, but that's just not how it was for me. I'm, I've just found my way. Over the last like ten or fifteen years, of uh, being productive as a writer.
0: Better late than never, and then also, <laughs> it, it's true. Some people never come yeah. into their stride. So truly, better yeah. late than never. Um, also, one of my favorite songs, and I guess many of your fans would say, "Another Life," which uh, yeah. was an album came out in 2013. And yeah, um, yeah beautiful
1: album, yeah, great song. That's a great, yeah, that's a great album. I did that with Matt Pearson, the producer, and he had this idea about making a kind of stripped down seventies type sound singer a songwriter record, which we, I did with uh, Kenny Wallace and on the drums, Tony Share on the bass, and Larry Campbell come in and played a bunch of guitars and uh-huh. stuff. So, uh, and we did it in a great studio in New York, and uh, it, it is a really pretty, pretty, pretty bunch of bunch of songs. And another life has become uh, a great. Uh, part of the of the live set you know it plays well with the band and people tap their feet and everybody can kind of relate to that lyric so, Right. Yeah, that's right. a nice song
0: and it's one of those songs i when i see your shows many people in the audience sing along because yeah. they know it they love it
1: yeah yeah i yeah. know it's great i'm very lucky to have fans i mean every every single fan i i'm so i spent so many years not having any fans you know <laughs> doing gigs and all that and I think it, it's the hardest thing in the music business is to have plans. Mm-hmm. It sounds simple, but to have anybody that gives a damn about your material, your songs, and your your music, it's extremely hard to get anybody to care about what you're doing. So when I every, you know, I'm always amazed when I look out and people have actually come to the gigs and paid money and want to come and see me play. It's huge, very satisfying, and I, I, I'm. Very, don't take any of them for granted at all. I'm very; they mean a lot to me.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's one of my finest, uh, one of my greatest achievements in my mind is to actually have people that care about what I do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And people drive for hours. I know when I've seen you, I I hear people. Oh yeah, I just like drove an hour and a half or two hours to come yeah. up and yeah. and you know they.
1: I, need to, I did a gig on Saturday, and this woman drove what three and a half, four hours from Washington or something to come wow. to the show. Wow. So it's and that's massive, and I really like wow. That's very. It touches me. It,
0: yeah. How can it not? It's beautiful. Um, you've also yeah. performed with um, Bruce Springsteen. How did you get? In, how did that happen?
1: <laughs> oh well, it's not really what it, it. It happened at the light of day. I think it's happened a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, uh He does. I do this charity thing for Parkinson's uh, in Asbury, and uh, he was uh, he plays there, and uh, what what even once or twice. I can't remember what, how many times it happened. Uh, I'm backstage and I'm with Willie Nile and mm-hmm. Willie's uh, big friends with Bruce. And then, uh, you know, Bruce is on stage singing, I don't know, whatever he's singing. And then he, he said something on the microphone. I wasn't listening. I was talking to someone. And then Willie grabbed me and said, come on, we're on. <laughs> and then it, it, he dragged me onto the stage. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was because of the night or something. And, uh, Bruce had obviously said, "I think I'm going to get some friends to come up and sing, and uh, Willie grab me in. And so I kind of ran on stage, and then I stood. I saw this microphone in front of me, and I stood next to Bruce, and he looked over to me, and, he, and I, in his eyes, he's like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> so, but that's not that's not quite the full story because the full story is that he uses my music as, as some of his on his walk-in music, right? Like, uh, really. He made a, yeah he made a he makes a tape and he plays that before he shows and he used a couple of my songs in this um you know for his walking music so i wrote to him this is going back a few years going back maybe 10 years or something i wrote to him and said hey bruce um i hear you're using some of my songs um in your uh walking tape i just want to say i'm, I'm very honored and you know, that's really great. Thank you very much. And then he wrote me an email back. And he said, "Saying come and see me. If you're ever in New York, uh, come backstage and, see, and say hello. So I went backstage after a gig of his and, and was in the dressing room with him for like five minutes, 10 minutes talking. Um, and that was an amazing experience, of course. And then fast forward a few years when I'm doing the Light of Day, uh, I don't think he put the two events together. I don't think he knows who I am. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to claim me and Bruce are, are like, friends or anything like that right, right. but he, he definitely knew who i was at one point and then uh i reckon that he didn't put those things together so whenever ever i've seen him at the light of day and on a few of those events i don't really talk to him i just leave him alone i'm not really gonna bother the guy you know but right. uh, but so 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 anyway he, he does he does love the wood album that's my, that was what i was getting at
0: Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. How did you know he was using your music? Were you at a show or were people telling you that he was using your music?
1: So I'm walking around London um, and my phone goes off and I get like 20, 30 messages (laughs) on my phone at the same time telling me all kinds of stories saying, oh, Bruce Springsteen's making an album of all your songs. (laughs) Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen's singing your songs in his in his live show and all these crazy messages from all these different people about Bruce Springsteen. And I'd know, I'm like, what the hell is going on? I, what, I, what's all this? And apparently there'd been some announcement on the radio that in, on a radio show that Bruce has been using my songs as a kind of unknown English songwriter uh, in his shows. It was made a kind of a big deal in, it made a big splash in the UK for a minute, you know, right. and people had heard that on the radio. So that's when I found out about it. Somebody had mentioned it on the radio that Bruce is using this unknown guy. I reckon the the label might have kind of put put that put somebody up to it. I'm not sure. You know, maybe told the radio station. Uh so that's how I heard about it. I didn't I didn't and it, then uh, it t- turned out to be true. Yeah,
0: wow. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Great story. Thanks for sharing that. Um hmm. You have How many albums do you have out now? You must, eight, nine, ten solo works of yours?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. There's, yeah maybe there's, something, like, there's, something
0: like that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. Um, no Time to Cry was your previous one. Um, really enjoyed that one as well. Now, what I want to mm. do is get to your current album, Little Bird in the Neighborhood. This was just released, right? Like two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, last week that last yes. week, I'm old school, I love CDs, love
1: the artwork, mm. this is beautiful artwork. Oh, thank you, it's this friend, this woman I know in Scotland called Jill Layton. she does all this funky, amazing kind of detailed art, and then uh, she said to me, um, she's a singer songwriter as well, but she also does this art, this freaky kind of graphic art, and she said she'd like to do, uh, take a shot at doing the album cover, so I was like, Okay, have a go. I I I've never done a record cover like this. I always do my a photograph of me or or something like that. And then um, she come up with this kind of pastoral kind of. I wanted it to be something like an English summer's morning type mm-hmm. thing, like a, like a pastoral English uh, scene. And she did it in her way with a kind of a like an old church tower and some birds flying around and flowers and everything and uh you know she did a brilliant job and uh, it's a, it's a, it's unusual for me to have that cover but uh, some people like it and I I and I think it's, I, I like it too I think it's really really good
0: I think it's really good. And I love that it's different from other things yeah. you've put out. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, this, it, it's really nicely done. So bravo to yeah. Jill. That's a really nice job. Jill, yeah,
1: she's brilliant. Yeah, she's brilliant.
0: Now you have um, on this album, you have 10 tracks out on it. And you have some amazing musicians on here too. Um,
1: tell me where this was recorded. It was recorded at the where I do all my albums really until it, this studio closed. This place, the, the, my dru- my drummer friend Aaron Comis, yeah. he uh, has a studio with this guy called Roman Clune in Bushwick, yeah. and uh, I did a load of almost all my recordings there. And he's since moved to Beacon, so that studio is gone. But so you know, it's me. I play pretty much all the guitars and uh, all the string stuff on it. Uh, Aaron, who was the Spin Doctors drummer as well. He's played on. a Pretty much all my albums, and uh he's in my band, of course. And so he's drumming. Uh, ben Rubin played the upright bass. I wanted an; up- I didn't want the electric kind of regular bass on this. And uh, Drew Mortali, my my friend, who usually plays. He doesn't play the upright bass. Mm-hmm. So Ben Rubin played the played the bass. And then uh, Brian Mitchell, of course, he plays accordion and piano from the Wait and the the Levon Helm band. Uh, ben Stivers. Incredible piano player from around here. And then uh, the flute, the amazing flute, was by Craig Dreyer, who is just absolutely, he really knocked it out of the park with that flute playing on um, Under Milky Wood. And then David Imagluck from The Counting Crows, he came in and played a little bit of mandolin. Um, And I think that's about it, really. I Uh, think Scott Sherrard
0: was on one track, too, right? Oh,
1: Scott Sherrard, of course, yes. Sorry, the great Scott Sherrard come and played some... uh, He played some uh, uh, slide guitar on Prairie Grave. So, yeah, it was my mates coming in and doing a bit. Doing it,
0: doing it. Now... um, You know, we've all been through a year and a half of literal hell with this pandemic. It seems to have hit the arts the worst as far as gigs and, you know, theaters and just everything with music. And um, it was so nice last summer when you and Brian Mitchell were outside at the Falcon, which was one of the only venues that was playing music at that time. And oh, yeah. it was you know this was prior to the vaccine or anything like that and tables were mm. just it was just a great location mm. and and you mm. and Brian boy I tell you you two just have such a great camaraderie and you sound mm. so great together um, I also mm. understand you just went to Italy not long ago um, yeah oh how did you guys connect I mean you you just so different but yet your music sounds magnificent together you just oh well
1: thanks yeah well you know when i moved to new york i would always i i I discovered clark gayton and brian and sean pelton and this kind of group of musicians that used to play at the 55 bar and i just couldn't you know, I just thought they were just so extraordinary and the greatest musicians i would ever heard in my life. Yep. You know, and they this are. was part of my education coming to New York. So, I, you know, I lived in London and there wasn't the scene there like there is here. So I always admired Brian and, and all of the people that played around him. You know, and anybody who was around Brian was great. You yes. know, every drummer he played, Tony Mason or Sean or Zev Kat. On the base or
0: Sean is going to be on my show next week, who is Sean Pelton
1: oh right on well, yeah. I mean you you know when you see when you see these guys, you're like wow these are the <laughs> these are it I mean yeah. these are the greatest guys in the world, yeah, so I was just there always you know basically following Brian around and just just, just wanting to hear him play and just just look, just just wanting to be around brian and, and Clark and Sean and these guys that would. Somewhat my heroes in the city. And over time, I just kind of just made myself, uh, you know, a pain in the ass. I just was around them all the time, <laughs> <laughs> buying them drinks, <laughs> trying to, you know, sneak in and say hello and just kind of be like this kind of English guy that was just there. Right. And over, over time, I think, you know, I got to play, I've maybe I got Brian in to play on one of my albums. I think he played on my uh, Insanity Oh the green I think he played on on my my album The Green mm-hmm. and when we just started to play you know we started to um uh, hang out a little more and he, I think he got to know who I was and that I actually you know was a songwriter that that, that 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 was playing around so um we just became a bit you know kind of bit bit closer and then about 3 3 or 4 years ago I was going I go to Italy every year pretty much and uh, I I he said to me at one time, he said, oh, I'd love to go to Italy and do some gigs. So I was like, well, why don't you come with me? And then, you know, that kind of solidified. We were playing together a little bit by then, but that kind of solidified a duo thing that I do with him. So, you know, we're very different. You know, my songs are kind of folky country. Right. Uh, and his has kind of got that New Orleans American bluesy mm-hmm. thing. So they're, they're very different. And I'm aware of that. Uh, but but it know, works. Just, uh, it I, works. I just well, I just think music is music. You know, right. if it's good or bad. Right. So somebody can dig what I do. They can dig what Brian does, and vice versa. And uh, he plays great on my stuff. I just try and hang on to his stuff and give him some accompaniment and uh, some rhythmic accompaniment, and you know, just try and so we, we just try and make it happen together I'll play the great thing about going on tour with Brian in Italy at least is that I don't have to do all the singing you know <laughs> okay. I can do two or three songs and Brian can sing a couple of songs exactly. and then I can sing a few more yeah. so it's not all on me and Yeah, that, that's like oh. Yeah, That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: great. It's just such a nice camaraderie and such a great partnership between the two of you. Oh. I, I loved watching, uh, seeing your photos that you both posted while you were away, and just oh, the beauty you. and the fans that you have over there as well. They were just coming out to yeah. see you, and it looked, oh. Oh, it was, it was really heartwarming to see. Now oh. this yeah. pandemic. I, Some people retreated and were not creative at all. You obviously must have been creative because you just released a new album. Um, How is it now coming back? I mean, I know there's safety protocols. What's it feel like now getting on stage with what we're still going through, quite honestly?
1: Well, I played last night at the 11th Street Bar with Brian and Emmy and Drew, which we used to play there before the pandemic pretty regularly and it really felt like old times you know it was a very therapeutic and we had a great time and it it felt like what it used to be like before the pandemic oh good and obviously every everybody's um getting checked at the door for uh you know the vaccine so you've been vaccinated right. which obviously i have and um you know i at the moment i don't know what else you can do you know that that but we can't be just completely uh living our lives without some sense of normality. I'm a great believer in the vaccine and in science, and I actually had the COVID back in last March. Oh, you did? Um, Yeah, mild, you know, I didn't have anything. It was very mild for me, luckily. Uh, but last night felt great. You know, we were all there and we were all having a good time, and it was felt like old times. That's, uh, and you know, Rockwood's opened up, and I'm playing the City Winery. I wanted upstairs. to say
0: that, yeah. Um, on Monday, right? You're playing at Rockwood Music Hall on Monday, the 18th.
1: Yeah, I'm downstairs there. I I I, I play with the full band at the um at the City Winery. Upstairs at the loft, but my I do a solo show every month or so at the uh, at the rockwood downstairs there. So you know, they're the, my two kind of New York appearances.
0: Right, and I believe you're also playing on the 23rd at the Turning Point in Piermont.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I play there pretty regularly. And then this is a
0: cool me. gig because I just I've never been in, but I've driven by many times. The barn at Egremont. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool little place. You'll be there on Friday, October 29th. I mean, talk about a perfect time to be in the Berkshires is when the foliage is what it is and, you know, get to see you at night. So you definitely have some shows coming up. I would direct people to go to your website, jamesmaddock.net, and of course all over social media as well. Now, just one more thing about um, this new album, um, that Little Bird in the Neighborhood. When you say it's dark... Tell me about some of the songs and how you came up with them and why you think it's dark and why is it dark?
1: Uh, It's not all dark, but I think I was going through a kind of a... I started off with this kind of Nick Drake idea where I was going to try and make it just kind of acoustic guitar and voice in the center and, and not much instrumentation, like a real minimalism to it. And I wrote a few songs like that, but then... And there's definitely... You know, there's a song called "Coming Sorrow." Uh, there's, uh, you know, "Under Milky Wood." There's uh, this new thing's getting old. There's no dancing. There's another song. You know, it's quite a few, which are just pretty, just pretty much just me and the guitar. And um, I wanted to, and I wanted to do that. I just wanted to do mm-hmm. something that wasn't that wasn't um, what I'd done in the past and see see how how it came out then I wrote the Ashby Deleuze song with the violin and I got Steve Wickham from the uh, Waterboys to play uh, the violin and I mean, whatever you try to do when you make music, it's, it often takes on a, a, its own life of mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that. Then the Little Bird in the Neighborhood song, that's kind of a pop song. Well, that's the, the one I'm f-
0: going to play next, and that's the title track, and I was going to ask you about that, the name. I
1: mean, mm. yeah. I don't know. It just, I just thought it was a good title for a song. I yeah. thought it was, sometimes if you have, a, as a songwriter, if you can start off with a title, you've got, you've got the song, kind of already written like if i think the songs that i've written like if i had a son you know people love that song and uh, it's the songs it, all in the title if i had a son you know oh. that, that tells you the whole story a yeah. little bird in the neighborhood was just like oh that's actually a really good good phrase and uh, i thought i would just write a song around that idea that you're you're in a you're in a coffee booth or you're somewhere and you hear somebody talking about you and they don't know that you're there, and you hear them mentioning something about your girlfriend or something that you that they didn't you didn't know was happening. And uh, I just thought that was pretty cool. And they say, "Oh, where did you hear that?" And you just say, "Oh, little bird in the neighborhood. I don't Do you know that expression? I mean, I've seen it. Right. It's right. just like, like hearing a rumor, you know. Oh, yeah. Where did you hear that? Well, little bird in the neighbourhood told me. And I thought, oh, that. And I just thought it was a good title for a song. It
0: is a good title for a song. Tell me about "Cry Jesus."
1: So I watch a bunch of those stupid ghost shows on the television, you know, like Ghost Adventures, which I think, I don't believe in any of that, but I find them really comedic, and they're um, very, uh, they make me laugh, and they're, they're, to watch people terrified in these in these uh, situations, it's some kind of voyeuristic fun thing uh-huh. I, I like. <laughs> So it's not to be taken to, and it's like this idea that, you know, you know you, whatever you, if you see something and you're scared, you go, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You say that, you say those words, Jesus, oh no, you know, we use that word as a as a kind of exclamation. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, really, it's a fun, uh, it's really, a, although it might not sound like a fun song, it's just really a fun poke at those stupid TV shows.
0: Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and you need comedy every once in a while, you know, and yeah, um, yeah yes. that that will do it to you. Well, I
1: actually, I really think that is a great, that come out great, that song on, on the record. I, lo- I love the way that, that really works as a as song. And the other song I, I really like on the album is the last song, which is called uh, Crystal Night. Tell me about basically, it. That's a, a political song I wrote about the... Um, Not you. About the, <laughs>
0: A political. I
1: mean, <laughs> it's, it's about it's about the you know the uh, January sixth storming of the uh, of the White House by all the crazy Trump fanatics. Yeah, and how it was you know it's it, it's, it was like a I was trying to equate that with Crystal from the the Nazis mm-hmm. from nineteen thirty eight when they burned all the synagogues and things like that, and uh, that that was called that's called Crystal Nacht, which is the German and it, for Crystal Night, and I uh, thought so that was a I thought that that I got to work, and uh, I just that's what that's song's about in the uh, right, right,
0: right.
1: You know, the, the storming of the uh, of the White House, really, obviously. Yeah, yeah, the insurrection. And that come out good. Yeah, I was really happy the way that came out. I wasn't going to put that on the album because it's very different uh, sonically to the rest. But then I just thought. Well, so what? Who cares? Well, hey, listen. Love?
0: If the cover's different and a lot of this is just solo work anyway, why not? You know, it's nice to have something different. Um, are you already working on the next
1: album? But you, you just said yeah. you had, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm well on the way. I mean, I, I'm well over halfway. Although, I'm, what I'm doing before you, before you called, I wrote this song called um, uh, uh, "Dollar Pizza" or something like that. Mm-hmm dollar pizza about pizzas <laughs> mm-hmm. stupid song and i can't find the words anywhere and i've ripping apart the i'm ripping apart the apartment looking for my books i've got loads of books with lyrics in and i cannot find the lyrics it's driving me nuts you will uh, it'll
0: it'll show up really that's so so you're old school you like you don't put stuff on your phone or you don't like voice it into your phone you you actually write it down on a piece of paper
1: no, I, I, I definitely sing the melodies into the phone uh, just to remind myself of them. But the words I write down mm-hmm. on paper and uh, it's that piece of paper which I've lost. I'm looking everywhere for it with the lyrics. And I remember the lyrics were, were it's a fun song. You know, It's I'm, I'm a little bit in a quandary about this song because the melody is very, uh, it's a great little pop melody. Uh, but the lyrics are, are very trite and, and silly and fun. And I'm toying with the, rewriting the lyrics to make them a little bit more serious. Uh, but, I, but, this, but the way it's working out in my mind now, I think it could be a really great, fun, stupid song, you know, like a, Oobla Dee Oobla Da. You know, the uh-huh. Beatles had this, they had this thing. They, you know, they could write, you know, Paul McCartney could write uh, The Long and Winding Road. Then he could write Oobla Dee Oobla Da. Right. So, it, you know, it's a bit like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think was in me, you know.
0: I think that you got a diverse, you know, and not everything can be the same style and good for you for having such. I mean, you are really one of the best songwriters I've seen. Really, you are. And um your your you you just have such a craft you you are amazing Mm as a singer songwriter and and your voice of course has its own thing too so James Maddock it's it's been a pleasure I hope you come back to the you know here in the Hudson Valley and play I know you're up here visiting a lot but maybe the Falcon or Colony or wherever Um, Mm -hmm. but I do hope you get a couple of shows back up here as well
1: Thank you so much, Rita. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah,
0: always. And thank you. And we're going to play some more of your music. Thank you for your time, James. And um, good luck with everything and stay safe. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 91.3 WVKR. It's 4.53. That was James Maddock. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here with Local Motion. Let's play another track or two. Let's see how much time we have. At the top of the hour, we're going to be doing away a ticket giveaway to see City and Color. That's happening. We're going to have two pairs of tickets to give away to City and Color at UPAC in Kingston on Friday, October 22nd. Don't call in yet, but we'll talk about that soon. In the meantime, let's play a little bit more music from James Maddox's new album, Little Bird in the Neighborhood. Right now, we'll play the title track of that right here on 91.3 WVKR.
2: I was sitting in the cafe called the Village Group. Heard a couple of girls talking in the next booth. Thought I heard my name, so I tuned right in My blood ran cold beneath my crawling skin Cut me like a knife Need a bit of luck in life Shadows dancing Throwing faces at the wall Floors creaking room speaking Am I alone here or not at all Doors slamming Doors jamming Then the room turns cold as ice Sensations, no explanations, an ungodly paradise. When the eyes of the painted lady follow you about, you see the candle burning in the window of a haunted house. What do you cry? You cry, Jesus. Between the pages of a dusty, forgotten book, spells and curses, forbidden verses, incantations. So don't look when the eyes of the painted lady follow you about. You see the candle burning in the window of a haunted house. What do you cry? Cry, Jesus. You say you've always got a friend in Jesus. I want a friend in Mohammed too. I want a friend in Marcus Garvey, John Wesley, Pope Francis, Martin Luther King. Krishna, Bob Dylan, I'd take anyone in anything, but I cried, Jesus. I am running to the streetlights, across the fields my feet are flying. I jump rocks and I jump ditches. I jump rivers deep and wide. When the eyes of the painted lady follow you about, you see the candle burning in the window of a haunted house. What do you cry? You cry to Oh,
0: WVKR, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York, brand new music, James Maddock, Little Bird in the Neighborhood is the title of the release. We heard two tracks just now. Last one was Cry Jesus, and then we heard the title track little bird in the neighborhood. You can purchase this music from James Maddock on any streaming platform, or you can even go to his website, jamesmaddock.net. James will be playing in the area, New York City. He'll be playing at Rockwood Music Hall on Monday, the 18th of October. He'll be at Turning Point in Piermont, New York on Friday, October 23rd, Friday, October twenty ninth at the Barn at Egremont in Egremont, Massachusetts. And November third with the full band at City Winery in New York, jamesmaddock.net. You'll find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those great social media platforms. Thank you to James for his time on the show today. If you missed part of that interview or all of it or just want to hear it again, it'll be uploaded on the YouTube channel, the Local Motion YouTube channel. You can subscribe there as well as wherever you stream your music from. You'll find everything under Local Motion.